Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 322, Nature as Medicine. Today will be a fun one, not a deep dive on nutrients or any particular disease state. We won't be talking labs and supplements so much. We are talking all about how nature can be medicine and the power of forest bathing, regrounding, and just getting out in like real, real nature. Yes. So I think we've really gotten more and more aware of this, especially over the past couple of years. And maybe both of us, this being something that we always knew we needed. Um, I know you coming from more of a rural area upstate in the in the East Coast. And um, when Brady and I got together in 2003, we spent the majority of our time outside. It was always our goal and vision of one day buying land and having gardens and chickens and that focus of labor as being a part of the process to mandate time outside. I think that that's always been kind of the way of tricking myself, kind of like becoming a functional medicine dietitian is a way of, within my role, tricking myself to always be well and focus on vibrant health. Sure. <laughs> I think that I've always kind of saw that that ideal of spending more time outside means that I have to be doing something as a doer. But today we'll talk about even forest gazing, um, the importance of hiking, spending time in rivers, kayaking, or even just mellowing out and tubing down the river and how this can have a role on your parasympathetic nervous system, how this can balance hormones, how this can retain antioxidant status in the body, and overall really combat disease and improve quality of life. Totally. And it just feels so good. And I think especially as moms, you know, we are strongly called to nature when we see our children being these wild and free, beautiful creatures that they're meant to be and, you know, mellowing out when they're under the stars or um, really noticing things um, in nature or just being by a body of water. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So before we get into all of this woo-woo nature stuff, um, I just want to share a couple of updates for listeners who are listening real time. This episode airs on December 12th. And so what we've got coming down the pipeline um, for y'all after the Christmas holiday um, is our 10-day detox live. Our next live program will start on January 4th, and we will have one class on the 4th to kick things off, kind of get your feet wet, you know, teach you through the protocol, what you're getting into. And then one live class on January 11th, both of those will be at noon central standard time, but also recorded for those unable to attend them live. And we're also doing a flash sale on our detox supplements to make sure you're checking your e-blast because that should be coming down the pipeline any day now. Um, The live program itself is just $14.99 to 
join us um, and super helpful in terms of accountability, being able to ask Allie and myself questions both during those live webinar classes and on the Slack channel that you will be provide access for for the duration of the class. Yes. So the 10 Day Detox is a great kind of jump in in the new year to reset your pantry, make sure you're back on track with a food as medicine focus, and give your metabolism a boost. Many participants of our 10 Day Detox see a three to six pound weight loss in that 10 day period of time. And they also are able to make dynamic shifts of getting back into a structured relationship with food, meaning that they identify, you know, two to three things that they're going to keep in, maybe getting in those leafy greens felt so good and ensuring that they're adding that tablespoon of chia seed or getting more fresh herbs and seasonings and spices and removal, maybe gluten snuck in over the holidays, or maybe we were just not watching our carb control and we need to ranch in or tighten up our carb consumption and get back into a ketogenic diet. Um, or maybe we just need to really hone in and reduce that dining out frequency and get back in the kitchen. So go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and check out our 10-day live detox class for only $14.99. And if you need something that's maybe a little bit more committal and definitely more result-orienting because it lasts a three-month window, check out our live ketosis program. So we have not done a live ketosis program for now over one year. Kind of crazy. We used to yeah, do like, like a two to four a year. A half, yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, we used to do two to four a year. Um, and I was always running them in my Houston clinic and even virtually we'd fill them. And we kind of felt like after the last round, all right, let's just archive it and let it go. But we have had high demand from all of you wanting us to do another live ketosis program. This will start January 18th and will be every other Wednesday at 12 uh, Central Standard. So at noon, every other Wednesday, starting on January 18th, that will take you all the way into early April. This program is $299, and this includes six-hour-plus live classes that you get to watch as an archive following watching the program. You also get access to this Slack channel specific to your keto class, and this is three months of access to ask Becky or myself questions on adjusting your protocol or troubleshooting your supplements or considering an advanced lab. I will note in the vein of labs that this is where the savings are huge for our live ketosis participants. Um, this Black Friday deal, you may have noticed we didn't do any lab discounts, but for participants of our 12-week keto live program, they will get savings on all of our labs, ranging from as little as $25 for the less expensive labs, all the way up to $250 on our MRT tests. So basically, paying for the program itself at $2.99 to get that savings if you're considering an MRT test. And our um, keto program, because we've been a year and a half out from doing it live, we'll have some updates, of course, if you've already participated. Are we going to do, we'll probably have a discount for prior participants. Um, I'm sure we will. Stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Yeah, we'll definitely put something in our newsletter if, if you've already purchased. And so you'd have to purchase on that same account, of course. But if you've already purchased um, the live program, you'll be able to um, participate in this one with some savings. Um, but it definitely will be new and always evolves based on each group that we have because it's dynamic and changing based on the members. Um, so we'd love to have you as a member there. If you are a keto veteran who's been doing nutritional ketosis and feels like you're in a rut or you're keto 
keto curious and you're not sure if this will work for you or you've been doing dirty keto and you need a food as medicine approach or you're dealing with PCOS or insulin resistance or a new diagnosis of prediabetes or diabetes, this is the program for you to really rein in your blood sugar control and understand how your body feels when it's thriving on fat as fuel and you're getting balanced nutrient density and abundance of antioxidant and therapeutic foods to support gut health, microbiome diversity, hormone balance, and so much more. We have varied protocols for your needs based on your weight loss requests or what you're looking to see happening in your body, as well as what's going on in your body for stress and exercise and movement, and even modified protocols for pregnancy, breastfeeding, and so much more, including autoimmune protocols. Go on over to AllieMillerRD.com and grab a spot while they're open in our live 12-week ketosis program. And I just want to note, because I know we'll get this question, can I do the detox and then flow right into the keto program? The answer is yes. And the answer is also that will get you fantastic results because you're already going to be honed in. You're going to be feeling good in your body after that 10-day detox and just ready to rock. And we actually produce ketones more efficiently when our liver is fully supported as well. We do a better job with blood sugar management and you're already gonna have a three to five pound plus advantage just going into the keto program. So the detox itself isn't keto, but there are modifications you can do for keto if you are someone who's been doing keto long-term and is ready to just you know, rip back into it. Otherwise you can do the detox as a way to just ease yourself back into clean eating, stair step. Maybe you do the bone broth fast. That's a a part of that for um, that three-day window that we offer in the protocol. And then you just flow, you know, immediately into the ketosis program. I can't think of a better way to just reset and, you know, support your health and any New Year's resolutions or wellness goals that you have this year. No doubt. Okay, Um, before we get into Nature as Medicine, today's podcast sponsor is Santa Cruz Medicinals. Uh, We love the use of CBD or cannabidiol as a tool to aid in mood stability, calming anxiety, regulating stress. And we know that CBD, which is naturally made in the body and works in harmony with our endocannabinoid system, a system that all human bodies are wired with, we know that CBD levels can get depleted after chronic demands. So when you use a quality CBD, it can actually work to counteract cortisol from being released and harnessing that stress response. We also know that CBD can aid in neurological function and reduce inflammation in the body while supporting that calm and concentration state in the brain. Um, We love Santa Cruz Medicinals because they are lab tested and we know that the CBD industry is kind of cowboy still in the sense that we're not getting um, often quality control reports or ensuring that there are not butyrate or other um, hexalent um, or chemical compounds from the extraction products, so solvents and such left behind in the CBD matter. 
And Santa Cruz Medicinals does all that work for us. They are potent and pure and confirmed by lab test. And potency is the secondary thing from purity. Um, definitely what we see often is that CBD formulas out there are in microdose. And microdoses don't yield clinical effects. You actually need a pretty hefty amount of milligrams to have efficacy, generally around 50 milligrams a day. And our friends at Santa Cruz Medicinals actually recommend doing 100 milligram of CBD a day challenge for one week and then checking in on the body, how it feels in the world of stress and sleep and cognition and inflammation and then leveling it down while still maintaining those achievable outcomes. Um, They have many different varieties of use of CBD over at scmedicinals.com. That stands for Santa Cruz Medicinals.com, scmedicinals.com. You can use the code Allie Miller RD at checkout, and that is going to give you 15% off of your order and give you free shipping. Again, when you use Allie Miller RD at checkout at scmedicinals.com, you'll get 15% off of your order plus free shipping. You can select from their pain salves, which I was relying on when my SI joint went out, um, their oral tinctures, which again, very concentrated dosages there. You can get upwards of 100 milligrams in one ml based on the concentration of their tinctures offered. They use carrier of beautiful MCT oil, and they have capsuled products as well, like their deep sleep caps, which include um, L-theanine and valerian in there with 100 milligrams of CBD. So go on over to scmedicinals.com, use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout to save 15% and get free shipping. All right, let's do it. So first of all, why should we consider nature as medicine and what are some of the clinically studied health benefits? Yes. So I think before we think of how nature can serve as medicine and the powerful influence nature has on the human frame, it might be important to consider the fact that maybe disease stems from lack of nature exposure, you know? And so when we're looking at approximately 99.9% of human history, I mean, human beings have evolved and lived in natural environments. And it's really only recently with the industrialized revolution that we started spending more of our time indoors, in artificial lighting, in urban areas, and um, there is many clinical effects that occur um, impacting circadian rhythm, stress hormones, and so much more. And so we've seen on a clinical level that when we spend time in nature, there is actually a decrease in our adrenaline and cortisol levels. And so these are primary stress responding hormones, adrenaline, also known as epinephrine, um, and cortisol will come down when we spend ample time in nature. And we find that parasympathetic space, remember that parasympathetic space is the opposite of that fight or flight sympathetic mode. Parasympathetic is that rest, digest, but so much greater. That's where our regulation of our body temperature, our sleep cycles, our thyroid hormones, so our metabolism, our sexual hormone, all under that parasympathetic space. So reducing adrenaline and cortisol is one of the primary kind of dial switches from that sympathetic fight or flight into turning into that parasympathetic 
regulatory mode. Um, we've also seen some dynamic immune modulating effects of nature exposure. So we've actually seen, for instance, signs of immune activation, in fact, more natural killer cell response and white blood cell response in individuals that spend more time in nature. We've seen reduced inflammatory proteins, lower amounts of interleukin 6 and 8, so reducing inflammation can be seen. We've seen enhanced emotional state, um, ranging from an overall improved attitude as well as true psychological recovery from mental illness. Um, we've seen the role of cardiovascular health through blood pressure reduction and heart rate reduction when spending time in nature. We can see triglyceride levels, which is wild to think of how connected the body is as a metabolic marker improving with nature exposure as the intervention. Uh, we've seen enhanced antioxidant activity, so more glutathione peroxidase levels, that's that master antioxidant in the body, um, and more biological antioxidant potential measured in individuals that spend more time in nature. And then we can even see um, increased relaxation in the body and brain. So beyond reducing that adrenaline and cortisol, we can actually see alpha brainwave activity and beta brainwave activity increasing, noting more of a relaxed, balanced mental state. Super cool stuff. And all it takes is spending some time in nature. Yeah, I mean, in, in theory, yes. I mean, so we're looking at stress and mental health. We're looking at metabolic disease. We're looking at inflammation and even immune response. And a lot of these studies were looking at people that were interacting with green spaces. Um, and the kind of magic number was a minimum of an hour, but many studies looked at two hours a day of getting outside. Okay. I think that's a really good prescription and, and a good achievable-ish goal. Yes. Um, let's talk about forest bathing. What is that? It sounds kind of hippie woo woo. Um, but what's forest bathing? And then what's the necessity of, of really getting outside for these devoted periods of time? Yeah. So some of the studies that where I reference these outcomes, which we'll link in the show notes, um, have used a practice. Uh, this is actually a, a Japanese, um, concept. Um, and I'm not going to say this correct, but it's Shinrin-yoku um, in Japanese is what translates to forest bathing. And so it literally involves immersing yourself mindfully in nature. And this is often the practice that leads to many of these mental health benefits as well as the emotional well-being and reducing the stress level in, that an individual experiences. This Shinrin-yoku or forest bathing tradition um, the practice was created in 1982, so pretty recently, um, by the Japanese Ministry of Agriculture, Forestry, and Fisheries. And the government recommended that um, forest bathing should be used as a preventative health measure. Um, it's considered a therapeutic technique in which you immerse yourself in a forest environment while focusing on the experience through five senses. So that's that mindful practice. So vision has to be um utilized so paying attention to the leaves of the trees the different textures of the bark for instance smell has to be employed taste hearing and touch um, and this also can be referenced in other traditions as ecotherapy or um, some studies will call this nature therapy but big picture it's going to be a set of practices designed to improve 
the immune function prevent disease and produce a relaxed state through exposure of nature and this can be done in settings such as mountain savanna um, beach park forest environments and in addition to forest bathing you can even incorporate interventions that um, might be more purposeful. So like I mentioned, um, therapeutic horticulture, for instance, would be a fancy term for gardening, <laughs> right? Um, so cultivating a garden can be one of these immersive practices, which is also multi-sensorial. Um, we look at nature arts and crafts. So maybe um, doing like a collage with natural materials. This is something that I love doing with Stella, leaf yeah, printing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so collecting leaves and doing leaf rubs with crayons or... Um, um, doing the wax paper with an iron, um, even taking photographs in nature has been shown to have some of these beneficial effects. Green exercise would be a two for one. So instead of exercising in the gym, moving your, and maybe even your garage, which is also a little sterile, yes. um, but going for a walk on a trail outside in nature where you can appreciate natural landscape, exercising in nature, um, and then bringing nature even to your home. Um, one thing that we really enjoy being out here in hill country is, um, and especially when we move, we're really excited because there's exotics on our property. Um, so whenever we drive in and we see the black bucks with their really cool twirled antlers, there's just such an awe and a, a, a mysticism of these beautiful exotic animals. And even just the, the standard deer that we see out here in my rental home, um, the practice of feeding the deer, sitting on the porch, watching them, and really just witnessing that simplistic style of survival um, can be huge. And, and the last one I would note that also incorporates animals is animal-assisted intervention. So this could be walking your dog. Yes. <laughs> again, these fancy words for like things that are very very commonplace, but again, walking your dog outside again, but trying to get that one to two hours, um, or it might be caring for animals. Like if you have chickens, right? So even like incorporating and letting your chickens out and watching them work through your yard and letting them back in and doing outdoor chores or work around your homestead or your outdoor area that supports animals is still going to have that deep connection. Totally. And, and, you know, even in a city setting like where we're at now on only a quarter of an acre, which sounds just sad, um, you know, we've got four raised garden beds that I'm tending to daily and I've got multiple bird feeders. So I have a hummingbird feeder and then a um, bird feeder for songbirds. And I think that's a great way to just get some nature connection. Noah loves watching the birds for me and identifying the different, you know, colors and the bird calls and going out there and spending time under our big tree. So it's accessible everywhere on some level. Yes. And if you missed, we just recently had a guest all about biodynamic gardening. So if you haven't started a garden, I think that that's probably one of the best recommendations. You really get two for one because you're growing your own pharmacy, of course, with producing food as medicine in your garden space. And um, also, you know, over time, that's going to save you money, but it gives you the, the why and the reason. I know that for sure walks outside, not having a dog now for three years, um, are a lot more of a focused effort than sure. if you have that dog, you're going to have go. to take yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, same thing. If you have a fenced in yard, you might not take your dog for a walk right. as often as if you don't. Right. Um, and so I think definitely lining up these areas of like labor or these two for ones for many of us in this type of society of go, go, go 
works really beautiful versus maybe this vision of like actually sitting Zen under the trees in the forest and just bathing ourselves in their, in their, um, what's that called? Canopy, um, which sounds very dreamy. And, and I, it reminds me so much of when I went to school at Bastyr hiking in St. Edward's forest. And I mean, I did spend, I think four hours a day out there wild foraging. And then you get even deeper as you get to know the wild sure. plants and you start to kind of make friends and, and talk to the plant life and, <laughs> It's a whole different level. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yes. And I think just being in nature in any way um, pulls us into this more connected parasympathetic state and tends to have us balancing out our breath, which will in yes. turn, you know, support metabolism and detoxification and so many other things in the body. Um, let's talk about the role of oxygen on our metabolism and how relaxing and just breathing in a more balanced state can actually yield weight loss outcomes. I know. I I love talking about the uh, vitamin O. It's funny when I was looking um, at this episode, Mark David is who came up with that term of vitamin O. And now there's all these products under vitamin O. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. And I don't know what they are. So I'm not advocating for that. I'm advocating for getting more oxygen. Um, And so. Which is free. Yes. It's free. You don't have to buy it in a bottle. And um, it reminds me of the Lorax where actually they are like bottling air (laughs) because they took away all the trees. Um, So the idea of, you know, forest bathing, getting you into that parasympathetic space, calming your heart rate um, aids in deep breath. And also when you're around more trees, you are getting more oxygenated air. Um, But when you breathe in more oxygen, you actually burn your food more fully. It's actually that simple. The digestive system is hungry for oxygen. So, you know, there's actually certain parts of the stomach lining that consume more oxygen than any other tissue in the body. And the intestinal villi are a site of primary nutrient absorption. Our villi are charged with the job of extracting large quantities of oxygen from the blood during the breakdown of a meal. So when the blood lacks the oxygen for the villi to pick up, our absorption of nutrients actually decreases, which is pretty crazy. Super wild. And I think of, you know, a fire needs oxygen. It's like that digestive fire requires oxygen. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. So, you know, the more we eat, the more the body naturally wants us to breathe. And often we think of like after a heavy meal, you kind of go into that parasympathetic like food coma, which we don't want to do. But still, there is that um, synchronistic uh, change that occurs with our breathing, our blood circulation, and our oxygen uptake. And basically, the brain automatically is going to increase air intake to accommodate the need for more oxygen. And um, breathing more, if you eat a lot, is actually going to be similar to exercising more if you eat a lot and the impact on a metabolic level. So if you interfere with your body's natural ability to deeper breath, Um, maybe you're in a state of stress and so you're doing shallow breathing or you're anxious or you're overstimulated, you actually limit your ability to burn calories. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) If you eat more, you need to breathe more. And also, if you breathe more, you're going to be able to burn more. Um, I've worked time and time with individuals and and the work that I do with the anti-anxiety diet and trying to harness this HPA access with individuals trying to get into that parasympathetic space at mealtime. And sometimes I'll even have them say the word safe 
or to really ground and put their feet down and do some deep four, seven, eight cycles of breath. Um, But literally understanding not just as a preset to the meal, but throughout the timestamp of the eating experience as well as post-meal, really focusing on deep belly breath and getting that oxygenation is going to support that metabolic burn, which is going to be favorable for desirable body composition change. Yeah, and I find that to be one of those like two-for-ones also where it's like, okay, we just pair because I want you to work on breath and I also want you to slow down and be you know absorbing more nutrients from your food pairing those two activities together because it's like you're gonna have to eat at some point in the day and you do five cycles of four seven eight prior halfway through you put your fork down and you do another five cycles and then after the meal you do your last five cycles and you know at least doing it like at your lunch break which is probably for most people their most stressful yes meal time of the day if they're you know on a Uh, time crunch at work or you know trying to sneak it in between things or even eating at their desks like I know we're guilty of I think that's a good pairing yes rituals and like you're saying the word pairing right that combination of two good practices are are fabulous and um, also when I'm thinking about that you know it's this chicken and egg connection of when you're getting more oxygen for metabolism you're also inhibiting again that adrenaline and cortisol and so you're preventing the surge of stress hormone that drives belly fat so not only are you enhancing your ability to burn fat as fuel you're also preventing the build of excess body fat from stress hormone surge totally um and so you know everyone wants a boost to their metabolism um we can see you know within the blood sugar balance improvements in our waistline um but maybe even more importantly i think nature has a really dynamic impact on enhancing our mood and well-being. Absolutely. So this practice of forest bathing or, or really focusing on integrating in nature has a huge influence on decreasing negative emotional states such as hostility and depression. And additionally, we've seen in research that spending time in nature can promote positive. So again, I'm getting this two for one, positive emotion. So we see happiness, a feeling of connection, awe um, and providing the opportunity to reflect on feelings and emotions. Um, Now, all of the time spent in nature was not bombarded with a smartphone. (laughs) So sitting in nature and scrolling is not what we're talking about, to be clear. Um, And I think that it's interesting when I was looking at that study, which we'll link on the the feelings of awe. I remember Becky back in like episode 40 something when we talked about um, my transition of closing my practice and I think it was called like Alley Reflections. It was an early episode we did together. Um, I talked about how when we moved to Austin, not even Hill Country, but how we moved to Austin, one of my goals was to have an ability to have the sense of awe on a daily basis. And so the home that we lived in was over this valley and it just would just strike my vagus nerve. My parasympathetic nervous system would just go into a almost immediate relaxed state when I would sit out there on that deck and let the wind and the breeze move my body and look over that vastness. Um, I think nature can make us feel very little and in sense can make a lot of our frustrations, irritability, hostility, sadness feel very inconsequential or very tiny. Um, And I think that that bigger, greater connection or um, recognizing God and the beautiful design Um, And having those moments of take your breath away, awe and beauty of nature are really dynamic and powerful. Yes. 
Um, and looking at another study here, it looks like they compared a 90-minute walk in nature with a 90-minute walk along an urban road. So same amount of time, same activity, um, but the nature group had decreased rumination or that like cyclical brain thinking, mm-hmm. right, that we can't shut off um, about themselves and also decreased activity in their prefrontal cortex an area that is involved in human withdrawal, sadness, and reflection on negative emotions. So I think that's pretty powerful too. Right. And so that's one of the ways that they were really able to see, right, same activity, same timestamp. So it's not just the quote unquote endorphins you get from moving your body. It was that submersion in a nature trail that actually influenced the prefrontal cortex, which is pretty powerful. Um, and that was a journal from 2015 that we will link called nature experience reduces rumination and subgenual prefrontal cortex activation Um, we've also seen in research improvements in sleep Um, so we've seen in a trial of healthy male and female individuals they found that two hours of forest walking was associated with improved sleep time um, immobile minutes during sleep so less restlessness improved sleep quality and self-reported depth of sleep and that there was a greater increase in sleep time in the afternoon walks actually compared to those taken before noon. So there's that added benefit of doing it more in the afternoon, helping the body to kind of wind down. We have also seen um, the role of nature on spirituality, um, that it can have a positive effect on well-being um, by enhancing or actualizing spirituality. So again, I was mentioning earlier like that connection to God. Um, Even the World Health Organization um, notes that spiritual health is an important element to wellness. Um, So that realization of meaning or purpose or potential in life and um, the time in nature allows that connection or that that feeling of something greater. Um, And then we've even seen also a study that observed the effects of one hour and 45 minutes, about two hours again, of a forest walk in individuals with affective and psychotic disorders. And um, we saw improvements in confusion, depression, and tension-related anxiety pretty cool stuff. And then within all of this, um, I think it harkens back to the, you know, stress reduction. So we're actually seeing that forest bathing is reducing stress, promoting relaxation, and reducing that production of cortisol, our stress-responding hormone. Yeah, there was a trial of 498 healthy adults that examined the psychological effects of forest bathing and found those that felt chronically stressed received the most benefit from the forest intervention. Again, a free intervention, but you may need to consider some form of relocation or a new drive or something like that. Um, But, you know, it's wild because we've seen that in research studies, as little as 30 minutes of quiet stillness in nature can clinically lower cortisol levels. So it's always kind of thinking of this connection of... um, also what you remove and what you replace, right? So one is submersing yourself in nature and then the other would be considering removing the unnatural things that are in your day-to-day function. So again, I think of like the digital stuff, the Apple watches, get those off of your body, Um, keeping your phone away from you and putting it in sleep mode more frequently, Um, making sure that you get the first 30 minutes a look at the bright sun that's rising or the natural daylight before you go right to your blue 
blue screen of your computer or tablets or your devices. Um, so as you're kind of thinking of how you can apply this, starting with what's practical and then removing what you can, even positioning your desk out by a window we've sure. seen in studies, um, having a view of trees and nature can help us to feel more relaxed and more parasympathetic. Yes. And then uh, there are also benefits to our immune system, yeah. which is pretty cool too. Absolutely. So, you know, exposure to forests aid in, of course, getting more oxygenated breath. When we breathe in fresh air, though, we also breathe in phytonocides or phytoncides, I guess. Phytoncides is how I'm going to say it. Yeah. Sure. P-H-Y-T-O-N-C-I-D-E-S. And also terpenes, um, which are plant-based compounds. And so these phytoncides are airborne chemicals that plants give off to protect themselves from insects, actually. And they have antibacterial and antifungal qualities that help the plants fight disease. When people inhale these phytoncides, they actually are going to have a response in their body by increasing the number and activity of white blood cells, including natural killer cells. And natural killer cells are the ones that are able to kill tumors, so prevent cancer, as well as virus-infected cells in our body. And we saw in a study increased natural killer activity from a three-day, two-night forest bathing trip that lasted for more than 30 days. So like camping under the stars um, once a month in the fall, if possible and practical, could be a huge immune prescription for you. That's amazing and, and harkens back to what you said in the beginning about, you know, when we removed ourselves from nature, is that when our health started to really decline. I mean, it also came with the advent of processed foods and, you know, more chemical taxation on the body. Yeah. But um, that's huge, the natural killer cell piece yeah. for sure. Again, it's both ends of the cycle. And so unfortunately, when we're breathing inside, we're breathing in more volatile organic compounds. Sure. So it's not only that we're lacking the robust oxygenation and now lacking these plant-based terpenes and phytonocins, <laughs> we're also getting in more toxins and that's actually stressing our body, reducing our oxidative stress um, resilience and driving more free radicals. All right, let's talk about some more like tips for yes. applying this and, and how to apply, whether it's forest bathing or just time in nature, whatever we want to call it, um, how to actually do it. Yes. So the first thing to do would be to select an environment that's going to be relatively accessible to you. So, you know, I'm a big fan of looking at your um, parks in your area. Um, and you can always do this like through your governmental site of your state forest and parks. Um, you know, there are so many around this area and I love for my family, we like to kind of think of like a passport of like checking off all the boxes, making sure we stop at all of them. I always recommend, um, we could put a link to, um, I think it's called all trails is the app. Um, yeah, but, we use that one too. Yeah. All trails is great because it provides a GPS option. So like you can literally anywhere you are, drop that and see where a nature trail is. It'll give you how difficult or um, easy it is, what the terrain is like, if you could push a stroller on that path. And then people actually write reviews, post pictures, tell you about you know the wildlife in that area. I think that that's a really great thing to consider when you're selecting your environment of where you're going to be walking or spending your time. Um, but ideally, you want to find a more green forested area. 
um, that's going to have the highest benefits and have some of those actual tree plant-based health supporting compounds. Um, and then you might want to look also to ones that have a good viewpoint. Um, so beyond considering, you know, how vigorous this trail is and how much exercise and what type of footwear I need, um, kind of what's the end point or is there um, a opening um, in, in a clearing that has a beautiful sunset? Because if you can get a dual experience of also that awe in nature, yeah. I think that that's a really great place to select. Yeah. <laughs> so finding your spot is the first thing. Um, and then the second thing I would say is ensuring that you are getting access all year round. So as we're talking to you guys, this is late fall. Now for me in Texas, this is like not hibernation mode. We hibernate during the oppressive heat. Yes. <laughs> or that's when we're just laying on the tubes in the river, as I mentioned earlier in this episode. Um, but so think of a strategy of, you know, based on your environment, um, what are your limitations um, to time outside? Um, we've seen even in areas with a snowy climate um, that, for instance, a study in Finland looked at psychological relaxation following exposure to a snow-covered forest or a building landscape during winter, and the forest group in the snow experienced a decrease in negative mood and an increase in restorativeness, whereas the building landscape group, which that's like a you know fake green space, if you will, um, reported opposite effects. They actually got more irritable mm. and um, didn't get that restoration, that deep restoration. So they suggested that the snow in the forest actually had maybe an additional calming effect versus just being in a quote-unquote green space. Um, and we also know that beneficial effects such as decreased blood pressure and enhanced immune function are seen all year, but are going to be the greatest in late spring and summer. And that's often when more people are outside. Um, so do consider ways to get in nature all year round. Um, if that means that you have four seasons, then you're going to want to get some winter wear and consider snowshoeing, for instance, or skiing or different types of activities, ice skating, things that would incorporate the elements um, and wouldn't have you staying home. So again, for us, when we're in our most oppressive weather, we have to combat 109 degrees. We think of time in water. Yep. We just look <laughs> and, for the coldest body of water. Yes. Yeah, so if we can to. find yep. a spring that is, you know, 68, 70 degrees, that is where we are going. Going and um, thinking of activities that are around water, like kayaking and such, would be the way to kind of modify. So the second recommendation, again, is make sure you have an all-seasons plan. Yes. Yep. Um, and then including ways to incorporate kind of deeper connection and mindfulness when you are doing your forest bathing activities. Yeah, so this could be maybe you do actually like bring um, a book. Um, so I would recommend instead of a device, maybe having a paper book, a tangible book. So I think of John Muir, uh, you know, a lot of his stuff is like at Yosemite and a lot of the national parks. Um, he has beautiful nature-based poetry and um, just beautiful language that one could meditate on or prayer could be done or journaling. Again, we could collect components of nature to make art, like found art. Um, just tuning in to our senses and hearing. So maybe you are bird watching and you're tracking the wobbler that you hear or the different bird calls. Um, however, you can submerge yourself in your surroundings and try to incorporate the multi-factors of, again, sight, smell, taste, hearing, and feeling. Um, touch. Um, touch is a really great one to help to be your guide in nature. And I would say along with mindfulness, I would say wild forging would be a great thing there because 
you're looking so deep into the forest bed um, of, you know, what type of edibles are available and um, kind of what's popping out and saying hello. I, I remember with morel mushroom hunting, it was always like you could be looking for morels for hours. And then once you find your first little grouping, then they're like, it's like all oh, yeah. the morels know and yeah. they've been exposed. And then it's just like, boop, 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 boop. Um, and so I think that that's another way to find that multifactorial from foraging. Yes. And then that brings in the taste aspect as yes. well. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then timing, I think, is also important. So we mentioned the morning light as a really important component. And that's always a recommendation, especially when I run a neurohormone panel yes. on a client and their morning cortisol is like flat, depleted. They've been on, you know, adrenal support. They've been on adaptation boost. We're doing all the things. And it's like, well, some of the supplements, you know, can't undo. And, and right. literally getting outside getting that first morning light for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes if if you can spare the time, but like actual real sunlight early morning. And then early afternoon seems to be the other like prime time to be getting it. Yes. That's the afternoon is when we saw the sleep studies and impact. And what's interesting is early morning and early afternoon are also the time of days that we see more concentrations of terpenes, which are basically the plant-based compounds from forest trees and other plants. Um, these monoterpenes, which is a, a unique group within the terpene family, um, exhibit beneficial anti-inflammatory and antioxidant activities. So we tend to see that that early morning and mid-afternoon, this is when we're going to get the peak release to get more of that anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effect. That's when you're going to want to really forest bathe and soak it all in. Um, we saw a research study in Spain that measured concentrations of monoterpenes during different seasons and times of day. Um, and they saw during two peak months, July and August, the concentrations were highest from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. And then again, around 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. So like that transition after work might be a little later, um, but that would still be the optimal times to get outside. And I swear for kids too, like getting yeah, them outside after school. early morning and after school just helps with that circadian reset and sleep. Um, and that's always been something with Noah that I've noticed. He naps better. He sleeps deeper the more time he spends outside. Yes. And then the other one is that magic of that two-hour um, window. And now we want to see, ideally, you saw you know 90 minutes, 120 minutes tend to be what we're seeing in studies for actual clinical outcomes on mood, metabolic health. The bare minimum to start with is two hours a week, but really the recommendation to see clinical impact is um, looking at that closer to 90 to 120 minutes per time um, and trying to do this regularly. Um, we have seen individuals who spend at least two hours in nature to be more likely to report good health and high well-being. Um, and we also will see in longer nature visits positive association with health um, that can actually peak at around 200 to 300 minutes per week of nature contact. Um, what about viewing nature virtually? Is there anything to that? Like watching um, one of those, you know, awesome documentaries and blanking on the, the Planet one. Earth? Planet Earth, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is. And actually, there have been some studies on virtual experience of nature. Um, you know, so if there's extreme weather conditions or, God forbid, a reason of like someone's had a surgery and sure. they're immobile, we would still want to position them close to natural light, close to a window, close to hopefully some natural view of either water or hill or tree. 
um, to have that tangible, real 3D experience. Um, but we have seen some studies, yes, that 90-minute nature videos of forest or ocean, um, especially even like sleeping with um, ocean or like on a sound machine. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Using that as like a mindfulness immersion into natural space and allowing your subconscious to take you through a, maybe not virtual, but a dream state towards nature could have a relaxing effect and could still have some of the beneficial impact on stress hormones and also on heart rate and blood pressure. So wherever you can get it is good. Um, but definitely you're not going to get those terpenes through the screen. Right, you're not right. going to get... The real deal is um, much better yes, in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't really highlight in um, you know these notes on stars, but you know, you mentioned earlier, like having children out in nature and under a big canopy of stars beyond canopies of trees. Um, I just find that to be one of those really powerful macro connectors of, of the interconnectedness of all of us. Sure. And when we're feeling angry over politics or over social media or any of these disconnections that often are um, put in place to create irritability and, and disconnect and break people down, um, when we're looking for a sense of awe, I think that that's a really great one. So I, I love pr the practice of camping and um, really getting that full circadian reset of natural light for 24 hours. I think there is something huge to be said about that. Totally. Totally. Um, so, you know, something we can all for sure work on and having a dog helps or a walking buddy or a stroller so I'm looking forward to like the cooler weather you know newborn walks either yeah. like wearing baby um getting back out on like some trails in Austin because we just have not done it this this oppressive being big and pregnant and having a toddler worst summer <laughs> that we've had in in quite some time but I'm looking forward to that and um putting our hammock up again and maybe doing some like breastfeeding in the hammock in the love backyard that. under the trees yeah yes I love that too yeah so even right passive experience in creating a nature prayer or meditation space in your own yard whether sure. that's by your garden or whether that's just a rocking chair off your front porch um Immersing your, immersing yourself as much as you can in nature will serve as medicine. I think that we've given you all many mechanisms of how. Now it's your turn to go out there and apply it. Um, if today's episode really resonated deeply with you, check out our adrenal rehab program because that to me really sings a lot of overlaps of that running on adrenaline and um, you know needing to silence the um, exterior buzz of the world and really harness that uh, wild stallion of the brain and get that HPA axis back on track into a parasympathetic space. So, you know, grounding and practicing nature can be huge, but also that's where we layer in things like adaptogens and learning about compounds like L-theanine and how even using food as medicine strategy of upping your magnesium in your diet or reducing your carbs to regulate your blood sugar and produce ketones could help to also harness that uh, wild stallion of the brain and get a lot of these health supporting outcomes. So you can check out Adrenal Rehab at AllieMillerRD.com. Um, also check out our show notes where we have links to the research study. And if you are committing to spending at least one to two hours outside daily, definitely do that and keep yourself accountable. Maybe tag me on Instagram or Facebook at AllieMillerRD when you're doing your daily nature bath and uh, let me know how you're feeling in your body and the changes that you're seeing in your household. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. 
Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.